Hi, and welcome back to the Empowered Birth Podcast. If you're looking for help and encouragement for your upcoming birth, you're in the right place. I'm in the business of getting rid of negative mindsets about birth and replacing it with truth. You are so capable of having an empowered and life-changing labor, birth, and postpartum. One of the biggest ways I try to promote this mindset shift around birth is by normalizing it. And women have been having babies since the dawn of time, so we just need to get back to the basics. So hearing stories from women who have been down that path before us is powerful. Today, I have a great guest on the show sharing her story of an empowered and confident birth center birth. We talk through her decision-making, processing her first birth, postpartum depression, and how she decided that she was going to have it different this time. Bailey was so fun to speak with as, and you can really hear just her passion for all women feeling empowered in their birth experience. One of the most powerful things you can do when preparing for an empowered birth is listening to stories from women with empowered births. This is one thing that you can do that will just transform your thought process when it comes to labor and delivery. I promise you this interview, this episode specifically, is one that you're not going to want to miss because it was extremely positive. Before we get into this interview, I just want to be completely transparent with you all. This podcast is only possible with your help. It's not free to create content and take time to interview and edit and have the platforms to post. So I'm just really thankful for those of you who have donated financially to keep this podcast going and the message of empowered birth spreading. If you're able to support monthly and be a part of our membership group, you'll get membership exclusives such as community meetings once a month. Or if you want to give a one-time gift, go to empoweredbirthpodcast.com and click on the support the podcast tab. Now, if you are not in a spot to give financially, I totally get it. Another way to support the show is sharing and tagging me at Empowered Birth Podcast on Instagram. It absolutely means the world to me when you reach out, you tell me how much an episode has impacted you, and I don't take any of that for granted. I just want to thank you again for listening. I know that you're going to enjoy this episode today, so let's dive into the show. Welcome to the Empowered Birth Podcast. I'm Allie McLean, registered nurse, home birth doula, and former feminist. My mission is to guide you into the freedom that is God's design for femininity, birth, and motherhood. There's a movement happening of powerful women uniting around finding out God's best for us. You're going to find information here that you won't find in your basic childbirth education class. You'll hear stories of women and birth professionals who are experiencing the redeeming experience that birth can be. You're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your way from pregnancy to postpartum and beyond. Are you ready to go on a Holy Spirit empowered adventure? Then stick around, you're exactly where you should be. Hi, Bailey. Thank you for coming on the show today. I'm really excited to talk to you about your story. 
They're one of my most favorite things to have on the show, just because I know there's so much power behind a woman sharing her birth story and experience. So truly, it means the world that you'll come on here and share. And I just know that there's women out there who are going to resonate with this story today. So first yeah. off, would you just share a little bit who you are and what yes. you do? Yeah, I'd love to. And I totally agree with you. I feel like during my pregnancy this time around, the birth stories were like all I wanted to listen to. And I we took a class and they talked about how important it is to, you know, maybe if somebody doesn't have like the best experience to share, kind of be a little bit guarded with your energy with that, or like take it with a grain of salt, but like those good birth stories, just let them all in. So your podcast and other podcasts and like books that shared empowering birth stories was like everything to me. So yeah, I feel like that's part of why I wanted to share my story, but yeah, my name is Bailey. We have two kids. My husband's name is Jacob. We've been married for four years. We live in Arizona in Mesa and our son is two and a half and our daughter Lennon, she was born three months ago. So we've got a fresh, sweet little baby and our toddler loves her so much. He's like so obsessed with her. Oh, that's so um, fun. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about Lennon's. Yes. Birth. Yeah. And would you just share a little bit about how you decided or what that process was like for you on deciding what you wanted your birth to even be like? What's your story? Yeah. There? Yeah. I feel like a lot of the decisions that we made for this birth had have to do with my first birth with like wanting a different experience. So with my first birth, we, I was kind of thinking about it this morning and I just, I feel like I've always kind of been the kind of person that has to maybe learn the hard way or like needs to learn by experience. I feel like some people can take other people's word for it. But for me, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go through it myself. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, <laughs> now I understand. Now I get it. So I feel like I went into my son's birth pretty uneducated and unprepared. I think I didn't even realize that it was something that I needed to prepare so much for, or you just hear everybody. I don't know. Like in, I feel like in my community and my family, it's super normal to just choose an OB. You don't really look that much into it and you, as long as you like them, I guess, then it should be okay. And you birth in a hospital. So that's what we did with my son. We just chose an OB that was well-known in our community. And we chose to give birth in a hospital close by. And that was really our only deciding factors. And I just didn't even think much about what that would look like. And it wasn't, I don't say that it was like a, was a, tra a traumatic experience or anything like that, but it wasn't great <laughs> now that I know what an awesome, empowering birth looks and feels like definitely looking back, it just was very, the appointments were short. We'd wait a long time. And then I don't know. <laughs> it's it's just, just not very personalized. Yeah. Yeah. It never felt, that. yeah. Yeah. Never felt super personal. It was more like business. Mm -hmm. And then just those typical things like leading up to giving birth of like routine cervical checks. I can remember being really shocked by that. I didn't really know a lot about cervical exams. And then didn't, wasn't really given much information. It was just, everything's kind of presented as this is what we're going to do, or now we're going to do this. And there's not a lot of like education, or I look back and I'm like, it's so, I never even remembered anybody in the office being like, you should take a birth class or you should go to the hospital, or you should be looking into these things and make sure that you're prepared for this and that. And I totally take like full responsibility for where I should have been personally prepared and educated. But I do think yeah, there, there was just a lot lacking in that experience and the birth in the hospital was okay. My water broke in the morning on its own. I was like the day before my due date and I had an appointment that morning. We went to our appointment and the OB said that 
my water had broken that we could head to the hospital in a little while. And then in between that time, my contraction started and they were really shocking for me. Like I just was totally unprepared for what that was going to feel like. And that was tough and overwhelming and like scary to me. So I think the moment that we got in the hospital, I was like, okay, like when can I get an epidural? (laughs) Like I would love to not feel these anymore. And that was pretty much it. I got an epidural, then progressed about an hour, a centimeter, an hour at that point moving forward and then pushed for like two and a half hours. And the baby just, I guess he just wasn't coming out or my body wasn't able to open up the way that it needed to. So I had an episiotomy, which I was under the impression wasn't really done anymore. Like was kind of an older practice, but the OB presented it in the way of like, well, if you want, I can give you an episiotomy and I'll cut you and your baby will be here in a couple of pushes, or we can keep trying and we can see what happens. But I had also heard that after three hours in the hospital, they'll say, okay, it's probably time for a C-section if your baby isn't out. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, this sounds like the better option. And obviously I'm like ready to meet my baby. So anyways, that's how that went. Looking back, there were a lot of things that I felt very out of control, which can leave you feeling not satisfied with your experience and can just make you feel uncomfortable or like you just were unprepared and it's kind of like a tornado and everything just happens around you instead of being in control of what was happening. Yeah. I hear that from a lot of women is it's that lack of control or, and it, that's not even in a bad way. Like you can't control everything that happens during your birth, but you can control the decisions that you make. And if you're not even presented with options, then you will feel totally out of control. And that's exactly what it sounds like. So Mm -hmm. when you had your baby and you're kind of in this postpartum time, what did processing your birth look like? Or did you process it right away? Or was that something that? Yeah, I feel like I didn't think too much about the birth itself, but I had a lot of things that seemed to just pile one on top of the other of like breastfeeding issues. He had a lip and a tongue tie, which we didn't figure out for way too long. And so it was like painful nursing him and super stressful. I feel like he had a lot of body tension probably from his birth. And so breastfeeding was hard. It was super hard. And then postpartum depression and anxiety, super bad. I yeah, even up until like a year after he was born, I still was just struggling, not feeling like myself and just feeling confused about why that transition was so difficult. And I think it can be difficult for so many reasons, but I do think for me that a lot of it had to do with not having an empowering birth experience and just feeling like not confident and so ecstatic after the birth. I I sometimes will tell people this, that when they like laid him on my chest, I started crying, but I like felt sad for some reason. And then the first thought that came to me was, is this why people cry when they first hold their baby is because they actually are sad. Like I, and I, that's not the case for so many people. It's that they're overjoyed and ecstatic. And like that bonding and connection came with my son, of course, in time, but I did not feel that immediate, like, Oh my gosh, I'm like so in love. This is the best experience of my life. It was like a, wow, what just happened to me? And I'm (laughs) overwhelmed and I don't feel, I don't feel so good. So Yeah. I feel like that's kind of how the postpartum experience went. It was definitely rough. And now hindsight, it was hard in a lot of ways. Yeah. So what was like deciding to have another baby like for you? Because going through postpartum depression in and of itself is just plain old traumatic. And it's hard to think and to process when you're in that, in the thick of it. So as you're thinking about having another baby What was that like for you? And how did you come to the conclusion that what had happened isn't what has to be again? 
yeah, I feel like my husband and I had always planned to have more than one child and that we would have more kids. So that was hard for me to process and to realize like how overwhelmed I was and how hard I was taking the transition and just the, like, I can't even imagine having another kid or having more babies at the time. And I just promised myself that I wouldn't until I knew that I was like, so ready because I just wanted to feel completely at ease and prepared for the next time around. So it did take me a while. I think age gap between our babies isn't that big, but they're like two and a half years apart. But I made sure that I was like fully ready to dive in again, knowing how difficult it was the first time, hoping that it would be a different experience and that there were some things that I could control or to try to improve this time and hoping that it would go better, but also kind of knowing, okay, even if it is as rough as the last time, am I gonna, am I ready? to do this again. So that's kind of what that looked like for us, but yeah. So was there a moment or was there something that you heard where you realized, Oh, I want something different and I'm going to do everything I can to make it different this time. What was that like for you? Yeah. I feel like the first like influences that I had that made me feel like I wanted to have like an out of hospital birth or an unmedicated birth was from friends. I had a couple of friends who would post about their birth experience and just like, there's those things that I feel like a lot of people say those (laughs) just the way they describe their birth as being just incredible and the best experience of their life. And knowing that that wasn't what I experienced and being like, what is different? What was different for them? Or why was this birth so amazing? And they just can't stop talking about it. Can't stop raving about it. And I just knew that I wanted that. And I just craved to have that experience. And I didn't even quite know what it was about that, that I was wanting, but I think it was like a deep longing to have that experience. So I can remember friends posting about their birth experience. That was probably the first like, Hmm, but I can also remember a lot of like fear and hesitancy of like, well, they did that, but I can't even (laughs) conceptualize how I would, how that could be me. So that was the first. And then there was a girl that I saw post her birth story and I just asked her for like resources I, or I just said, what did you do to prepare? Because she had had her first kind of similar to mine and then had a great birth center experience. And I asked her for whatever books she read or whatever classes she took. And she recommended Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. So I immediately downloaded the audiobook and started listening to it. And it like from probably the first few minutes, it's like full body chills. I'm like sobbing, <laughs> just feeling like, oh my goodness, I don't know exactly what I found, but I've found something that is, this feels so right. And everything that she's saying, I just am connecting with so much. So that book I would say is now my biggest recommendation to people when they're wanting to have this kind of a birth experience and was the biggest influence for me in like reading and listening to that and just going through this transformation of, I don't even know that much about birth. I didn't have a great experience the first time. And now I feel so absolutely completely confident in my body and its ability to birth a baby. This is what we always were intended to do and that I can do it, that I just knew that my body would. And that the whole first half of that book is birth stories too, empowering birth stories. So it just, as much as birth is very different for everybody and there's so many different variables and people like to say like, you can't plan for birth. And I think when I would hear that, like, oh, well, you can't plan how it's going to go. Then I'm like, oh, well, I won't plan anything then. And I'll just, we'll just see what happens. But that's not, not the best approach for someone like me, because there are a lot of things that you can do to prepare and plan. And those things make you feel confident, empowered. And so, yeah, that book made me feel just absolutely certain that 
that I could do it and my body would do it even if I don't know my husband breeds horses so I feel like when I was kind of talking to him about "Mm, I don't really want to birth in the hospital this time and I think I want to go this route and I just feel confident that my body knows exactly what it's supposed to do I would frame it to him and like with horses and like animals just want to go out and be by themselves in the middle of nowhere and they don't want distractions they want to just like and also their body just knows how to do it like they don't have a conscious ability to like try to birth their babies. It's just, it happens. Okay. And now it's time to share one of my sponsors with you. After my first birth, which ended in a traumatic C-section, I started researching literally everything, including things that go in and on me and my family's body. I started getting rid of everything, first starting with cleaning products and then over the counter meds, but makeup has been the hardest thing for me to replace. It seems as all the natural makeup is in powder form and with the type of coverage that I like, it just was not cutting it. That's when I found Araza Beauty's all-in-one coconut cream foundation. This foundation actually improves my skin while providing sun protection and of course, even coverage. With a dewy finish, almost like a BB cream, it's perfect for everyday wear. Plus, it's packed with ingredients like jojoba oil, probiotics, antioxidants, and zinc oxide, which provides SPF 28 coverage. I also love that Araza Beauty is a woman-owned and dedicated to giving back to victims of domestic violence. I feel great about supporting this company, which makes it super luxurious makeup even more satisfying. Now, I recommend with starting with the foundation, see what I did there, foundation, (laughs) you won't regret it. Just to make it easier for you, Araza is giving my listeners a special discount of 15% off. So go to arazabeauty.com and use the code empoweredbirth at checkout. Yeah, such a good point. I've had a couple of clients who like do that with cows and they're like, Mm -hmm. we just don't do anything. Most of the time we don't need to do anything. They just birth their babies and it happens. So that's such a good thing that you did there. (laughs) But it does sound like I, and I've heard this from so many women, like there was some major like brain blockages, like things that you had to overcome and lies that maybe you had heard where Mm -hmm. it's like, well, yeah, she can do it, but I can't. It's like, Mm -hmm. where do you think those were coming from? And also, you Mm -hmm. know, you can't plan for your birth, so I'm not going to plan at all. Yep. I mean, our culture is just inundated with that, but did you notice that while you were planning for your second birth or talk to me a little bit about that and how you overcame that? Yeah. I became a lot more aware of like, Cause there's not a lot that you can do to prevent people from saying those things to you or the comments of, well, I just don't have a high pain tolerance. Like I could never do that. I don't have a high pain tolerance to like allow that information to come in one out, like come in one ear, kind of process it and reframe it and then like, let it go or just reteach myself what was being said or train my mind to know that it's not always that way. And it's, it doesn't have to be that way. And so like, 
I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, no, it totally does. It's just, I think so many women are, are not even aware that they're hearing these lies every day or that mm-hmm. they're telling themselves these lies yeah. because it's something that they heard a long time ago and it's just what they believe. Mm-hmm. And the deep root of everything, like your beliefs will dictate your actions. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad you brought that up because that's the number one thing that I see so many women struggle with and they don't even know it is these yeah. lies that have come in. So I'm glad you pointed that out. As you were pregnant with linen, mm-hmm. what are a couple of things that you did that helped prepare you the most? I know you read that book. Was there mm-hmm. anything else? Yeah. So I started listening and reading to that book when Beckett was like a year old. So it was before I even was pregnant. Like I was like, Hey, I want to be as prepared as possible. So I read that book. I started listening to birth stories on podcasts and we took a hypnobirthing class when I was really early pregnant. They recommended it between like, I think like 20 and 32 weeks. They said it was like the sweet spot to take the class. And I'm like 11 weeks and like, sign me up. I'm, I want to take the class now. Like, I'm just so ready for all the information and all the preparation. I had heard good things about hypnobirthing and I feel like I approached hypnobirthing and like, this is just another tool in my tool belt. Like I totally confident that my body can do this. And this has to do with meditation and relaxation and reframing the way that you think about pain. And it just all is something that I can maybe fall back on and use in my actual birth experience, which I did. And I'm trying to think what else we did. Yeah. I feel like I just every day was listening to empowering stories. We also took a class through our birth center. I guess I'll back up a little bit, but I felt like birth center was a good, like a, the place that I felt fit for me, for what I was feeling and what I was needing this time around. And so we started calling around and I was wanting to set up like consultations or interviews with birth centers. And there, this was COVID was still a little bit affecting some things, but not super strict, but there were some birth centers that were like, well, you can't come in person to have a tour. And that was hard for me because I was, I felt like I needed to go there and feel it. And like, I wanted to base my decisions off of my intuition and the way that I was feeling about things. So we did a tour with, it's called baby moon Inn in Phoenix. And it's a birth center that I had just heard great things about. And we went there and just within the first few minutes, I just felt like totally calm and at peace. And I knew that this was a place that I could see myself giving birth. And I felt confident that all the things that were important to me were like their standard of care. So that was important to me because I felt like I wasn't going to have to be fighting somebody for the things that I wanted. And I looked back on my birth and remembered how uncomfortable and that I was in pain and I was scared. And I think back to that and realize how difficult it would have been, even if I had the information of this is what I want, this is what I don't want to in those moments have to like fight and advocate for myself and say, no, I don't want that or stop. Like that is so distracting to the birth process of just wanting to like not have to focus on anything else besides birthing your baby. Cause that's a lot to do at once, let alone when you have these other factors that are pulling your attention and your focus away from birthing. So I felt really good about that birth center. And so we took a, an education series through, through them too, which we loved so much where they just talked about the anatomy of birth and same with our hypnobirthing class. They talked about what exactly is going on in your body. And then they moved into like what things you can do to have a more comfortable birth experience and to feel prepared and to feel yeah, more comfortable comfort measures, like positions and water therapy. That was one thing that I knew that I probably was going to want. So yeah. Knowledge really is power. You just feel Mm -hmm. completely different when you have 
that knowledge. And I like how you approach the hypnobirthing is that it was just another tool in your tool mm-hmm. belt. Cause I think some people can use it as kind of like a crutch of mm-hmm. like, well, I'm so scared of pain that right. I'm going to do everything I can to get to avoid it. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I just, that's good. So can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit or like, how did your labor start with her? What were your thoughts? What were yeah. on? With her, I was having Braxton Hicks for like weeks in advance, which I never experienced with my son. So that was a little bit of like a different experience because I was like, okay, these feel, I can feel my belly tightening. I've never felt this before. And I have such a hard time remembering what contractions felt like with my son. I think because I literally was (laughs) in like a trauma response of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be feeling any of this. So I'm like, what did that even feel like? But so when I was having those Braxton Hicks for weeks in advance, I was like, okay, but this, it's got to get way more intense than this. I'm sure. So it'd be like kind of the back and forth of, well, this feels like what a contraction would feel like, but is this really it? And so I'd have, I think I was like 37 weeks and it was on a Sunday and we'd be like relaxing for the night and I'd start having back cramps and I'd start having the tightening of the belly. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like maybe this is it. But I also was trying to just relax. And I didn't want to get too anxious. I see so many people at the end of their pregnancy, just saying I'm done. Like I'm done being pregnant. You kind of get yourself in an anxious mindset where you're ready for the pregnancy to end. So you're more willing to want to be induced or to speed things up in some way, instead of just letting it come when it's time. So that happened at 37 or maybe it was 38 and 39 weeks. And it was kind of like, Oh, I hope this is it, but it didn't end up being. And then there it was, trying to remember there was like a Friday and Saturday where I was having those Braxton Hicks all day long and they just were keeping me up all night and I was just exhausted. And so that Saturday was two days before my due date. I was due on Monday for my approximate due date. And so that Saturday I was exhausted. My husband took our son and gave me some time to relax. And I can remember just being so tired that I'm like trying to get the house clean or I'm trying to rest. And you're just you can't really, it doesn't feel restful because your mind's just racing and you're just ready to have your baby. Yeah. So that Saturday, that night, my husband took our son over to his parents' house and he had texted me and he was like, Hey, my mom said that Beckett can stay here for the night. If you're exhausted, just give us a break. And I remember texting him back and I was like, well, no, I'm not even in labor yet. Like we don't need to have him spend the night. Like I'm fine. And And then a couple hours later, my husband called me and he was like, I'm going to have Beckett stay the night, my parents. And I was like, okay, I normally probably just would have pushed back again. But for some reason I was like, okay. And that ended up being the night that I went into labor. So he got home and we like spent some time together and then we were ready for bed around like 10 or 11 or so. And I felt like those like contractions that weren't really painful or anything kind of had a shift around like 1130 where they got to feeling like, okay, this feels like it's doing something. So I called the midwife and she, she was like, well, if this was like real active labor, you wouldn't be able to be talking to me. Like you are right now. You sound really calm and you sound like you're doing good. So, and she was like, like, has your water broken or anything? Are you having any other signs of labor? And I was like, no. So she, she said, okay, I'm going to recommend that you just try to go to sleep and let me know if things progress. So yeah, I tried to go to sleep. I slept through contractions between like 11.30 and 2.30. And I woke up at 2.30 and just kind of was tired of trying to rest through them. So I 
got up, started kind of getting our things together and getting myself ready. Things felt more intense. I remember going to the bathroom and had some bloody show. So I was like, okay, I do think that maybe this is it. This might be, this might be the real deal. From like 2.30 a.m. to 4.30 a.m., I had more contractions. I think at that point, I wasn't really trying to sleep anymore. I was just sitting on the birth ball and kind of walking, moseying around the house. (laughs) And the contractions were really consistent. They were like five minutes or less of time apart and lasting at least a minute. So I felt like they were consistent. I had the bloody show and around 4.30 a.m. I was like, okay, I want to be in the water. Like that's all I want right now. So I kind of felt like that was like that either I was going to get in the tub at home and then I maybe want to get out, (laughs) would maybe get past that point where it would be where I'd want to head to the birth center. So I told, I woke up my husband and told him I'm ready to go. So we got up, got our things ready. I think we left for the birth center around 5am and got there at about 530. It was about a 30 minute drive. And as soon as we got in the car, it's funny because I always heard people talk about making like a birth playlist. And I was like, well, I don't even know what kind of music I would want to listen to in labor. I don't know if that's for me, but I had made like a short playlist of songs that I just liked, just random music that I liked. And as soon as we got in the car, I like put in my noise canceling earbuds and turned on the music. And it was like, I just went into this place where I'm like, so excited, so happy. And I'm like, these songs are just like bringing me joy and are just like perfectly meshing with all the feelings that I'm having right now. Like almost, it made me a little teary, a little emotional, but like so excited and so happy. So I was like, so grateful that I made that birth playlist. And I just didn't even, (laughs) I could not have anticipated that that would be what I was going to kind of lean on during those contractions. So every time a contraction would start, I'd put my headphone back in and press play and just go into my zone and work through the contraction. And I was like amazed that contractions were exactly like the way that people describe them and that people prepare you for them in a way of telling you that they're only so intense for about 20 seconds. They have like a rise and a fall and it's, they'll kind of progress and then come to a peak and then they level off and you get a break. You get like a five minute break in between them. And so during that time, I would take out my headphone and I'd just be talking with my husband and we were so excited and yeah, it was great. So we drove to the birth center. We got there. Our midwife met us at the door and helped us inside. She was so sweet. Her name's Mary. And she, she was like, well, you can do whatever you're feeling up for. You can go for a walk if you want. You can get comfortable here. I started filling up the tub for you. If you feel like you're ready to get in the tub, I think she probably could tell by the way that I was acting that I maybe wasn't quite ready for the tub. So she was like, you guys can go get breakfast. You can, she kind of was just encouraging us to do whatever we felt felt like we wanted to do. And I wanted her to check me, which I didn't know if I was going to want any cervical checks. It's not routine for them. And they'll only do it if you want them to. And I assumed that I wasn't going to want any in labor and that I just go through everything. But I got to that point and was like, yeah, I kind of want to know. And so it's a different experience for sure when it's like your choice and it's something that you want to do. And it's something that you're asking for versus something that's just, it's assumed that that's just what you do. So she checked me. I was like four centimeters dilated. So I was a little (laughs) taken aback. I don't know why. I think you just always hope like, oh, I'm rocking through these contractions. I'm going to get to the birth center and I'll be like eight centimeters. I'll be ready to go. So anyway, she was like, yeah, you're four centimeters. She said that like, she could feel my water's bulging. She's like, when you're, when your water's released, it'll be a game changer. And 
I think things will go really fast after that. And she's like, I definitely think that you're going to have your baby today. So she was sweet and we decided that we'd go get breakfast. So we drove to a Denny's because this was like 5 a.m. I think it was the only place that was open. It was really close by the birth center. So we drove and contractions were getting more uncomfortable sitting in a booth and looking at a menu and looking at food. I felt nauseous and I was like, Oh, this just isn't comfortable. I would have to get up and I walked to the bathroom and spent a little bit of time in there. Cause it was more comfortable to like be able to sit on the toilet and kind of lean over than it was to have to sit in the booth with the table up against my belly. And just, it just was not great. So we hadn't even ordered our food. I think the waitress was probably waiting for me to get back. Like she didn't realize what was going on. So the second that I sat down back in the booth, the waitress comes up and she's like, okay, I'll take your order. And I could just feel another contraction coming on. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like I'm not going to be able to talk to her. And just, I kind of gave my husband a look of like, you got to handle this. And I'm, <laughs> I'm out. So I got out of the booth and I walked over by the entrance and I just was kind of standing over there, probably swaying. I think I might've been like leaning over, I don't know, <laughs> a bench or something, something they had over there. And my water's released. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, luckily I was wearing a pad. I had a little trickle go down my leg, but I'm like, great. My water just broke in Denny's. I'm trying to like mouth to my husband. My water broke. We've got to go. He told the waitress and she was so cute. She was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for you guys. Like it was really sweet. It's a fun memory. I feel like with my son, I wasn't feeling anything before my water broke. It just was totally out of nowhere. And this time after having contractions for so long. And then having my water break, it felt like a huge relief. I'm like, wow, that feels so much better. Like I think just some of the pressure down there was released. So, and we drove back to the birth center and the midwife again, met us outside and she helped us get back inside. And I went to the bathroom and like I said, I had a pad on. So I went to take that off because my water had broken in it. (laughs) And when I looked at the pad, it was like smeared with meconium. So when I, I was like a little bit surprised by that because I just didn't know what it would look like, or I wasn't thinking about that being something that might happen. So the midwife came in and she looked at the pad and she was like, yeah, it looks totally normal. There's nothing concerning about this. And we'll just, yeah, it's just good to know. So I was like, cool. Awesome. <laughs> nothing to be worried about. So then I was ready to be in the tub at that point. So we went into the birth suite and I got in there, had just this great big tub and they have these like floaties. So you can kind of just lean back and like prop your arms up on them. Cause I tried, I tried different positions, like being in the bathroom. I was okay for a little bit on the toilet, but then was just so ready to be in the warm water. And then there were a couple other times throughout the birth experience that I would try the, like leaning up against my husband and kind of like rocking with him or being on my hands and knees in the tub. And it just wasn't comfortable for me. So I just was propped up on those floaties, just kind of letting the water elevate me and take some of that pressure off with the contractions. And it was honestly super comfortable. And I just kept doing the same thing of popping my headphone in and listening to my music during that one minute of contraction and then talking the rest of the time. And I didn't know if I was going to make a lot of noise or how that was going to go. And it mostly was just like breathing deeply through the contraction. So yeah, I think I was in the tub from like about like 6.30 to 9.30, so about three more hours. And in between that time, things started to pick up and ramp up and they felt like they were getting more intense. The midwife had like had a a switch because one of them was at a home birth and she had gotten back and her name was Kimberly and she was great too. They, I couldn't have asked for two better midwives to be there. And then, so Kimberly switched out with Mary and she had 
someone there to assist her. Her name was Sue and she was great too. At a point, I feel like when they were, when the contractions were ramping up and the time was kind of closing in between them, I had my husband go grab Kim because I wanted her to check me. And she came in, she tried to check me while I was in the tub. And she's like, well, like at first she was like, well, I thought that you said that your water broke because she wasn't there in the beginning. So she, so, and I was like, well, it did. And she's like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm having a hard time feeling how dilated you are. So if you want, you can get out of the tub and you can come get on the bed and I can try to check you there, or we can just keep, you can just keep going and we'll see what happens. So I got out and had her check me. And she said, it feels like you could be about seven or eight centimeters, but I feel like there's a cervical lip. So she told me that she could try to move that out of the way. And that, that just, now that I've like looked into that more, I think it's the concern is that your body will be like ready to start pushing before you're fully dilated. And then, so your cervix can swell a little bit, like if it's not fully dilated, I don't know if that's something that you've heard of before, but yeah. So anyways, so I had her like try to move that piece of the cervix back that was just kind of still in the way and wasn't wanting to give. And so then at that point I got back in the tub and things, it just was kind of like steamroll after that contractions got really intense and we're one, one right after the other. And, um, my husband, Jacob, I can remember at one point he told one of the midwives who came in cause they'd come in every 30 minutes and they'd use the Doppler to check my belly and check the baby's heartbeat. And so, yeah, I remember him saying her contractions are about every two minutes. And I was like surprised by that and excited by that. And I had always heard people say transitions, like the hardest part, it's when you're dilating between eight and 10 centimeters, that's the part where people are like, no, I'm like ready to give up. I can't do this anymore. So I was like prepared to feel like that, but I really didn't. We just kind of like moved right through transition, I guess. And I didn't really realize that I was in it because as much as things were more intense, it just was the same things that were like getting me through it. And I was super comfortable in the water. So then at a point, my body started pushing. I just felt like this pressure in my pelvis. And I felt like people had described that as the feeling like that they needed to poop. And I'm like, okay, kind of have that feeling. So this might be it. My body might be ready to push. And I wanted to feel my body pushing my baby out. I didn't want to have to really exert any outside energy to push the way that you do in the hospital or the way that some people do. So yeah, that happened to me. It was like the most amazing feeling that with each contraction, all of a sudden it was this shift of like energy moving my baby down and like pushing out. And so the midwives came in because I, Jacob went and told them she's feeling pushy. Like she's feeling like she's probably about to push. And so I was still in the tub at this point and the midwives came in and with each like contraction and each push, there was more fluid that was coming out and more meconium. And I guess there, there was a lot of fluid. So the midwife said, I would know that you're comfortable in the tub, but I would feel better about you being on the bed just so that we can get to your baby really quickly. There's just a lot of meconium and there's just a risk of them having a hard time breathing after they're born, if there's meconium. And so as hard as that was knowing just how comfortable I was. And I think that I knew that things were going to feel a lot more intense if I got out of the water. So it was, I was hesitant, but I like, I felt good about what she was telling me. And I trusted that she, that she was doing what was best for me and my baby. So we got out of the tub, which was hard. We got on the bed and I was laying on my side as like these, now I'm into pushing contractions. Every contraction is also my body's pushing. Definitely got like louder. It was like 
kind of like grunting, moaning (laughs) that would just was progressing. And so I was laying on the bed on my side and my husband was holding my leg up. And yeah, I think it was about 30 minutes total of the pushing stage. And it was really intense. I had heard people describe the pushing part as like so relieving. And this is the part where you finally feel like you're able to like do something and And I do agree that those are true, but I think this was the most surprising part to me about my birth was just all the feelings that I would have during that time. It's just like an indescribable feeling to have. You can feel every second of it, of your baby's head being in between your legs and between your pelvis and moving down and that feeling of the skin stretching to let your baby move through is just an intense feeling. And I love hypnobirthing too, because they talk about pain and how that's just, they don't like to think of birthing sensations as pain because when you realize that every single thing that you're feeling in your body, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be feeling that. And you almost have this perspective of, I'm actually glad that I'm feeling this, like as much as it might be uncomfortable or intense, I'm so excited that this is happening to my body because this is exactly what my body's supposed to be doing. So I wouldn't describe my experience as painful. I would say that it was intense and it was awesome though. Like I was so excited that it was happening to me, but yeah, she, I remember her head was crowning and the midwife said, you can reach down and feel your baby's head, which I did. (laughs) I feel like some people like love that. And they're like, Oh, this is just the last little bit of motivation that I needed to get the baby out for me. I'm like, okay, that was fun. But now I got to go back to like, (laughs) it almost brought me into my body or to like feeling what was going on with my body more than I was. I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm out going back into my head where I'm handling this. And I was just gripping my husband, gripping the bed, like, yeah, just pushing, having my body push, trying to get out of my body's way. And her head finally came out and her body came out right after. And they kind of like handed her to my husband. And then he like put her on my chest and she totally like coughed and breathed on her own. She didn't need any help at all. And she just was perfect. And I was drenched in sweat and crying and was so happy. And I had that feeling that I had seen people describe and talk about and just this ecstatic feeling of, oh my gosh, I am meeting my baby. I love them so much. And I can't believe this, this just happened. This is the best experience of my life. And I had all those feelings. I felt like also I was high. I feel like (laughs) that birth high is more amazing than anything. So it was a feeling that I didn't want to trade for anything. And I feel like I just laid there and the midwives <laughs> during pushing, they were like, you can get into a different position if that's more comfortable for you. I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I, I can't talk to you. <laughs> and then afterwards they were like, you can try to help her breastfeed. Like you can. And I just, I just didn't have a care in the world. Like I was like, I don't, <laughs> I'm like having an out-of-body experience right now. I'm just so happy and on such a high right now. It's almost like I was there, but I also wasn't. I was just living off of that feeling that I had and wanting to keep it as long as I possibly could. So yeah, it was amazing. What a beautiful redeeming story. I just love that you felt like you cried this time, but you cried out of joy instead of sadness. And it's just, it just goes to show that your birth experience matters. Like don't let anybody tell you that it doesn't matter because it 100% does. So was your postpartum experience any different? Oh yeah. It's been like such a 180 breastfeeding has been so much easier. I feel like my energy has been totally different. And so I've, yeah, I don't know, like 
we just have taken everything in stride and I feel like my mood has been great. I had my placenta encapsulated. I feel like that helps a lot with my mood and with my milk supply coming in. And yeah, I just felt a sense of like peace and also confidence. Like I feel like her birth experience was so special and such an amazing time. And then it just like propels you into the postpartum phase. And you, as much as it's still tough to have to use the peri bottle to spray off (laughs) your vagina because it hurts and pooping's uncomfortable. And it's all the same things. Like it's the same pains. It's those afterbirth contractions while nursing, like there's rough parts of postpartum, no matter how your birth experience is. But there just, for me, was just this overwhelming feeling of like, this is so right. And I feel at peace. I feel happy. I feel okay. Even the things that are challenging, like it's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. It's not going to be like this forever. And there just were a lot of things that I did differently. I wasn't so crazy about my baby sleeping in a bassinet. I let her sleep with me and nursed her to sleep and never was worried about what habits or schedule or anything like that. Like it's all intuitive. And I feel like that has to do with having an intuitive birth and wanting to just follow my intuition, knowing that I knew how to birth and that my body would birth. And I know how to be a good mom. I know what's right for my baby. And so that just gives you this peace and confidence that nobody can give to you and no outside source can ever give you that has to come from within. And so, yeah, I love that you said your birth story matters and like what happens to you in your birth matters, because not only does it matter in that moment and you're important and the things that you experience are important, but it will have a lasting effect on your life and on your postpartum experience, on your connection with your baby. Like these things, they truly matter and they matter in the long run, not just the short run. So yeah. Beautiful. Well, is there anything you would leave my audience with as like some advice or encouragement? Oh gosh, so hard. (laughs) Just that you you can do it. Your body knows how to, and that you are fully capable. You're the right person to birth your baby and to be that baby's mom. That knowledge truly is power and it gives you confidence and it will motivate you in a way that nothing else can to just know and be confident that everything that's happening in birth is meant to happen. You don't have to be fearful when you know, and when you're prepared for what you're going to experience. So beautiful. Well, where can people find you? Oh gosh. Okay. My Instagram is Bailey a Rogers. And then I'm actually next week, I'm starting a certification to become a hypnobirthing instructor. So hopefully I'll, I don't know, maybe make a separate Instagram for that at some point, but I'm really excited about that. I'll start teaching classes and helping other people to feel confident in their ability to birth their babies in whatever way they want to. That's super exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing. So appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. I just loved talking with Bailey about her story. It was such a great story and she was so good at telling it. And you can hear the passion she has for birth. I love it so much. Birth stories are so powerful. So if you have a powerful story to share, email me. I would love to hear yours and maybe even have you on the show. You can find the email in the show notes. Thanks again for joining me. And as always, stay empowered.